Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Airs Podcast, the show that shows you what's behind the collar. This is Bullhagen, and uh, this is a second installment of the Anatomy of a Sermon episode. The last episode, I, I talked about all my thoughts going into the sermon. For example, uh, the ways I wanted to encourage, um, I wanted to give examples of the blessed, and all sorts of things I kind of wanted to do. And uh, you can listen to it there, and, and you can hear my thoughts going into the sermon, but now we have the finished product. I recorded the sermon, uh, and then I'm going to talk about it as we go. So what were my thoughts? How can you see the evolution from my thoughts that I had in the first episode to how the sermon actually wound up coming out uh, in the preached Sunday morning sermon? And so I'll have some thoughts along the way. As we get into this, the first thing I wanted to mention is um, I begin the sermon uh, rereading the, the majority of the gospel reading. Now, I really don't do that very often, um, but I did so for a couple of reasons. One is I wanted to have the text be forefront in their minds as I was preaching it. If it's a, uh, if it's a parable, for example, um, it might be in their thoughts, and you, once you start explaining it, they kind of catch on, okay, we heard this, and you can move from there. Uh, but when you look at the Beatitudes, uh, they are so wonderful and they're so poetic already, rather than fishing around and seeing what would be a really fantastic opening for the sermon, um, just having them rethink and rehear uh, the Beatitudes um, in a s- slow, deliberate way. And so I, I did that. In fact, uh, I have in my, my handwritten notes here, I say, have them in the beginning in the name of, of Jesus, amen, and then I have slow read. So I, I wanted the opportunity for them to hear it again and to, to hear it again where I, I kind of do a slow read and begin. So because um, that's a, for this particular text, there's other texts where that kind of um, works too when it's kind of poetic. You could think of, for example, Romans 8 when it talks about nothing can separate us from the love, very poetic. Or you talk about some of the Psalms and or, or those are the Magnificat where you can just kind of get a slow read of it at the beginning for an opening and have them think about it. And so that's what I, I kind of wanted to do here is for the opening is to to have the, the text, have it right in their minds as I'm describing it. And uh, especially when it's very uh, so strongly uh, memorable and giving them a chance to think about it. So that's what I did at the very beginning. And from there, I talk about uh, what it, the blessed aspect, who are the blessed. And, um, and then I'll, I'll get into some, I go into some, uh, some personal understandings of the text, so to speak, because, um, Because of one, that's not one how way way I approach a text, and, and here's another example where I don't really do that that often. But uh, I think in the context of all saints, what I think and, and how I hear those words, also I know my congregation. Many are also hearing those words the same way. So I will have some examples of, of faith, examples of what the blessedness looks like 
and, and the people of God from examples most of the people in the congregation will know and remember because they remember them. We're a, we're a tight-knit group. We're a family, a small-town church where uh, these people, many of them, lifelong members. And so so with that in mind, I give examples that, that most people in the, in the pews would recognize and understand and take heart from as they remember uh, the saints who have gone before us that past year. Um, so uh, here we go. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The blessed. Who are the blessed? Our first reading also describes the blessed. It describes it as a great multitude that no one could number, standing before the throne and from the Lamb, from all tribes, nations, peoples, and languages, crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. For me, that is an overwhelming scene and it's not overwhelming simply because of the great multitude. The reason why it's overwhelming for me is it's not just a multitude. There amidst them, we find people that we know. Names we know, faces we know, there are blessed in that kingdom that you and I today recognize. So my goal here uh, was simple, really, 
Um, I wanted to take the imagery, the understanding of the blessed, uh, by reading that passage, make a connection from that passage to what we see in the vision of Revelation. But then I wanted them to see how it's not just a vision, an abstract idea, a way of, uh, you know, that we can't really grasp hold of, like this overwhelming vision uh, of everlasting life and what the blessed look like in the kingdom of heaven. But I also wanted to give them real life examples from people that they know so they can make the connection that this is today a real hope. And so I, I begin here then after this, bringing up some examples of people that the congregation will know very well. And I don't name all the people that uh, um, have had died in the past year from Trinity, um, only about half of them. Uh, and I want to make sure I make mention that I'm not just skipping over them. But the point is I was I picked people here that people would know very well and uh, that they can remember their example and to rejoice that uh, in their example of faith that they can rejoice that they are also now in the kingdom of heaven, that it's not an abstract idea, but uh, it is something that they can take hold of this very day in All Saints Day, that there's a real nature to it, that they have a real place and it is a real celebration that they have. And so that's a transition I was trying to make in preaching. So it's one thing to think of this great multitude, people whose names we don't know, whose faces we don't know. But I think, for example, of Lois being among them, who gave a lot to teach children. Lois, who simply just wanted to be with Jesus. And so she is. You have the multitude, but then you have Wendell among them. For years, I had to pray with Wendell for patience because he was done with his time of mourning. He was tired of this poor in spirit business. He was ready any time for God to wipe away every tears from his eyes, and he made sure I knew it every time I went to see him. It's one thing to think of that great multitude, but to remember the many names and faces that we know. I also think of Ruth. Every time we had a funeral, she would make sure my stole was straight and there are times, I must admit, I would also make it crooked so that she would have to fix it. I can see her now in the immaculate robe of Christ's righteousness. And I imagine that robe looks impeccable. I think her example of faith as well. How when she went to the nursing home, it brought her great joy to go there because those people need me over there. It's not just a nameless, faceless multitude. I think of Chuck. And I think of Chuck's love for me as his pastor. 
I appreciate that when I gave him a sermon, he gave me a sermon back. And I appreciated that because that came out of love. He didn't want me just to speak God's word. He wanted me to hear God's word. I think of Lillian, a very simple and steady faith. Over a hundred years old, she would still hear of Jesus' death, and she would say, oh, to think that he died for me. I can go a long time like this. And what a gift God gave us in these examples of faith. He God gave us a chance to see what the blessed look like in this world. And when we see the blessed in God's eternal kingdom, on earth they may have seemed weak, but in heaven, they are eternal. They are blessed through the forgiveness of sins. All right, so for some reason uh, in this part, uh, as uh, I preached, my voice got a little squeaky. Um, and that is because I suppose uh, those examples of faith are behind the collar, mean a lot to the pastor as well. and. Uh, you know, it's hard to do this and have as many funerals um, and to not just, it's not the funerals, it's the, the spending time with them up and through uh, the 20 years that I've been their pastor. Um, and, uh, you know, Lillian was someone who who joined the church uh, when she was 89 <laughs> and had a chance of being her pastor for 13 years. Um, so it was a... Uh, um, you know, I, I, it's a kind of, in a way, embarrassing um, to get emotional. But at the same time, I, there are family, there are there are brothers and sisters, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not. I guess there's no shame in, in actually being a little choking up about it. Um, it's not something I do for dramatic effect or anything. But it's it's it comes from uh, the, you know the joy actually of being a pastor and, and getting to know them and and knowing that uh they are they are blessed and that's where that came from so uh, now I'm, I'm in this i'm i'm doing what i talked about earlier in that first episode here is is to now i'm making a contrast this is what they look like on earth this is look what they look like according to the kingdom of god and so i'm bearing that out and i'm using the the passage from uh, Revelation 7 to bear that out, and that's what I'll be doing now. But I, I don't think it's a problem. Uh, you don't want to eulogize people, but you know, when I think of these older, we don't have the same examples <laughs> in the church that we we do. You know, I've seen a whole generation of these beautiful examples of faith, and uh, not that we don't have younger examples, but um, you know, every year we, we lose a lot of powerful examples in faith and, that, faith, and that's hard. And I think that may be a part of it, too. 
and now hear of those saints now. Ever before the throne of God, they serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So I mentioned in the first podcast that I wanted uh, this to be an encouraging uh, sermon, and uh, and I listed ways that I thought that the the congregation should be encouraged on a day on this day. And uh, one thing that it kind of occurred to me is um, when we think of the loss of these people, um, they are not also uh, we think of how. The loss of the people also means the loss of the people we have in the pews, um, and I and I talk about this a little bit. How how in my my twenty years here, I've almost buried half the congregation, and and I don't shy away from that. That that is discouraging. You know, you see attendance go down. You know, we're not having two hundred baptisms, um, and uh, and that can be discouraging for the people to think about too and uh, I wanted to encourage them in this idea too because um, to think that oh this is we're how we are now you know we're a smaller congregation we not are not what once we what we're in it you know sometimes people talk to the pastor like we don't we don't see this or recognize this like it's somehow news to us <laughs> and every pastor right now uh, most pastors right now who are listening to this are nodding their head to know exactly what i'm talking about as so we like it, like as so we it's kind of a, we're oblivious to this like we have no idea that this is going on what just happened you know um but i i address it and i recognize that there is encouragement in the text for this situation too and, and i wanted to encourage them uh that uh, really there is a lot of joy in a situation like that with All Saints Day and what our texts are saying. And so that's that's what I do here. I try to really bring some strong encouragement for the the, the, the church and uh, an encouragement to, to continue to uh, find joy and hope in the gospel even in the midst of that situation that I, that I bring up. So that, that's what I was trying to do in this upcoming section. Not just a nameless, faceless multitude. Children of God, many whom we know. And it's kind of interesting how it can be easy to get discouraged. In my time here, I have, we have buried probably close to half of our membership. I know that can be discouraging. We wish they were all here, don't we? We wish they were here to join our voices, to speak of Christ with ours, filling our pews. But I remind you today that they are still your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are all still members of the same eternal church. And we are all a part of the body of Christ. It's just right now they have better seats than we do. They have a better sermon than you hear. 
and they have a better choir than ours. This morning, we gather around the very same Jesus who offers the same forgiveness. We gather around the very same Lamb who was slain for us, covered in the same blood by virtue of our baptism, feasting on the same body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And while on earth it may look like for us tribulation, mourning, persecution, hunger, thirst, and brokenness. We see in the saints of God eternally that now they know perfection. The same blessed now in the kingdom of God. And for you today it may look like pain may look like evil and wickedness is surrounding you. It may seem as though evil and wickedness is after even your own soul. It may seem as though the people of God are marked people by those who hate the word of God. But look at the other side of the coin. The same blessed beaten or bruised the same blessed standing before the throne of God. The same that hungered are fed. The same who are poor in spirit receive the kingdom of heaven. The ones who are persecuted, reviled, even killed, receiving with Christ and in Christ a crown of glory. So the progression of thought that I was had in mind here is is to start off with talking about the the blessed, the eternal multitude, and then giving uh, them an understanding of the people who they know who have joined them, and then also to place them so that they can understand in a better way their own place in this entire con- context. One of the the cool things about being a Christian is the fact that. You're part of something bigger. That that your each day that you live is a part of a great and grand history and a part of God's everlasting plan, and uh, that happens in the midst of tribulation. So I, I tried to have this this uh, line of thought from uh, the eternal salvation to those they know, and then to they themselves understanding what it means for them that they can be encouraged. And so that they can see, just as the blessed they have known who have gone before them to glory, now they too have a place in this, and to place everything that they go through in its context. So so that's the kind of train of thought and the kind of encouragement that I give them. And so in this next section then, um, by the way, I I should mention, there are times uh, as I listen to it, one of the my uh, things I'm not really good at, and I'm honest, is that uh, I'm clunky. <laughs> if you, I, I realize when I listen to my sermon, and I know when I'm preaching too, that my words don't always come out just right, um, and uh, you know I miss mix I, my my pronouns or I they you know all that kind of thing. It, if you're listening to my sermon wanting a a polished, beautifully perfect. 
uh, wording, you know, perfectly eloquent. That's not how I wind up. Even if I write them, it doesn't always preach them. And uh, there are times I do, I have pretty close to a manuscript that I'm preaching of. It's all handwritten, but it's handwritten way where I do go off topic and I add a few things here and there. And that's probably where it sounds clunky is when I'm doing that. Um, but I want to, I want to, you know, I, I realize that that is one of the things I, I should I need to continue to work on as I grow, continue to grow as a, as a preacher is to, to make it flow a little more, try to get rid of some of those clunkiness. At the same time, it doesn't bother me that much just because uh, I do think um, it sounds like me. You know, I'm a, you've listened to the podcast long enough to know that I'm a clunky talker sometimes. And uh, you've listened long enough that I can be passionate. Uh, and, and sometimes that passion comes out too in the preaching. But I understand that clunkiness. But now, as we have gone from bringing the listener from understanding their place in the, the seeing the whole kingdom of God, the people that they know, the saints that have gone before us, and now placing them directly in the context. Now, in the midst of all this, I am going to uh, place Christ too. And there are several times where I go off topic here. Um, and a lot of times when I go off topic, it comes from me understanding the text, understanding uh, some of the things, the thoughts that I had about it that kind of pour out. So for example, uh, if you listen to the last episode before I wrote the sermon, I talk about the introit. Um, I did not actually have anything about the introit uh, in the sermon text that I had written, but for some reason, I don't know why, I felt like adding it while I was preaching and I did. So um, that too, I haven't actually listened to it, I think might wind up being a little clunky, but so it goes. Um, I When I preach, I have, I receive kind of feedback um, and that's one thing in the auto format you can't tell. Um, when I'm preaching, I'm looking across the people and I'm, I'm telling, I can tell what parts uh, they're finding meaning in and parts that they're understanding. And I kind of go off of that feedback. And that's one of the reasons why I add it things is I, I, I regardless of how I write it, um, how it preaches is always different. And if I were to preach this again to a different group, uh, I probably would uh, foray off into other areas or different things because I'm getting different feedback from the congregation, different eyes looking up, uh, uh, concerned faces, or 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 all those things. I, I see I see in this, and then that's why I, I generally go off script, um, and and that's what we'll see here. But here we're placing Christ in the middle of it, and so the progression will be, uh, as I try to do. The kingdom, those they love, they themselves, and then Christ Jesus then as the blessed, the epitome of it, who did everything for us, who understands, who makes everything possible by being in the midst of the tribulation and being the ultimate of the blessed one. The kind of things we talked about in the last episode, you'll, you'll really see in this part coming out. And in the middle of all of this... All along the way, we find our Lord Jesus Christ. What I love about our introit this morning, that if you look at it, you find a couple of things. You talk about those coming out of the great tribulation. And speaking of the Lord, do I take my refuge? And in the midst of all of this, what do we find? We find the words of Jesus as he says, Into your hand I commit my spirit. 
In that intro, it we see in the midst of our in the midst of our tribulation, Jesus is there with his dying breath every step of the way. It teaches us that for us, Jesus became poor in spirit. For us, Jesus mourned. For us, Jesus was weak and meek, so being born of the Virgin Mary. For us, Jesus hungered and thirsted for righteousness, for your righteousness. He came to the world to give mercy. Pure in heart, obedient to his Father's will, he became the great peacemaker, reconciling the world to himself, persecuted and killed, so that you may be called today righteous, reviled, hated, and killed. But as the Beatitudes remind us, there is a great reward. Do you know what Jesus' great reward is for his suffering and death? You. The shepherd rejoices when a lamb is brought home. A shepherd rejoices in the midst of his tribulation because the father now gets to call you a child. The shepherd rejoices because you're not just a faceless, nameless person who will be called to that multitude, but you are one Christ Jesus himself has called by name. You are in Christ Jesus, a child of God covered in his mercy. And he is a Lord Jesus who joins you in the midst of your tribulation. He is the true blessed one. On this earth, Jesus looked easy to kill while he was bringing down the gates and the power of hell itself. He was a blessed one who looked like a lamb to be slaughtered, yet slaughtered to bring salvation to his people. He looked like a lamb to be slaughtered, but now we see him on his throne. The one who was cursed on this earth becomes the greatest in the kingdom of God, the lamb by which even the angels and archangels hide their face. But not you. You get to see him. To be with Christ is to be blessed. And when you weep bitter tears, when you struggle, when you are hurt, when you're battered, when you wrestle with sin and grief, you have a Lord Jesus who has joined you in the tribulation, died for your sins, and raised you up in his resurrection. And we see Christ in the midst of your tribulation. See the victory that God has prepared for you and earned for you and has already won for you. For by God's grace, you are 
blessed. You are the blessed of God. As John says in our epistle reading, what we will be has not yet appeared, but we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. So here, you know, in the midst of my own clunkiness as I, as I listened to it, um, in my inexact wording, um, I, I, I attempted to, to bring it home, you know, put it all together and, and put Christ in the, in the middle of all of it to show that he is uh, the fulfillment of these Beatitudes and he is our leader and the true one who fulfills all of that on our behalf. And to show the two sides of the coins, as I kind of put it that way, I kind of talked about that way in the first episode of, of what Jesus looked like here on earth, but look at him now as a lamb of God in his kingdom and how we follow in those footsteps. And I think what I liked about that aspect of it too is 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 to, to point out uh, that uh, Jesus won all of this so that for you, I mean, you are the reward. Just like your reward is to be with Christ, his reward for his death and resurrection is for you to be in that kingdom. That's nothing more than Christ wanted than you there. And uh, and that goes also for the saints that we remember this day. And so, so that was a line of progression. And now we're kind of uh, real close to the ending here. And I kind of tie the rest of it together. I bring back the saints and I reiterate that point. Um, so the goal of that was to encourage um, uh, to remind them of the forgiveness of sins that God has not left them in the, alone in the midst of their tribulation and, and to to rejoice. Um, I know it, it kind of has a somber mood, but for me it really is a sermon in, a, in my own mind of rejoicing in, in what God has done. And so now here I, I, bring, it, I bring it home uh, with the closing. For Lois, Wendell, Ruth, LaDonna, Lillian, Elaine, Chuck, and Alice. Lord God, join them in their tribulation, and he raises them to their exaltation. The earth that called them cursed, broken, God calls eternal. The ones a devil and all his powers tried to separate, God has brought them to himself because he was with them. He was with them in the midst of their tribulation. He was with them in their death. He is with them when he brings them to his kingdom, alive in Christ forever forever blessed. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, this has been, uh, that that's a sermon. So uh, now you kind of saw the process, what I was going and thinking about on my way into writing the sermon and uh, how I understood the text, how it came out in the actual sermon uh, that I wrote. Um, 
and then and the sermon that I preached. The last time I did this, I, I kind of did it and I wrote the sermon and then uh, I kind of did what I had written in the microphone. And then uh, I noticed that even the preached sermon that I did on Sunday morning was different uh, than what I had written and placed on the podcast the time before in that anatomy of a sermon. So uh, I liked it this way where you could actually hear the finished product and the fact that, that it wound up being a little different than the words I actually used. So and I wonder if you were to listen to that sermon that I wrote and I, I did on the podcast, it was probably in a way a little less clunky because I was not in front of people and not, you know, Anyways, uh, so um, tell me and the, the podcast what you think of this episode. Do you find it helpful, interesting, uh, this kind of behind-the-collar um, look at, at writing a sermon and what goes through at least this pastor's mind? Uh, if, you're a, if you're a parishioner, if, uh, uh, what do you think about this process? If you're a pastor, um, uh, what do you think about uh, the process and, and any comments that you might have? Um, but I, I think it's interesting. People might, if you're thinking about becoming a pastor, how, how does this influence you? Um, all those things. So please, uh, you can get us a hold of us uh, at clerical errors, uh, feedback at clerical dot, uh, org, And uh, uh, please uh, let us, let me know. This is Bullhagen and may your saints be blessed. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.